Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Actually, in my notes, it says here, honor Alex. <laughs> it actually does. Um, I, I do. Like, I, I wanted to highlight something that happened to me this week. I was um, going to a video conference, and, uh, and there were several theologians there sharing. And as they were sharing, I was like, okay, let's get ready to like, prune and like, get things straightened out in me and like, theologically get like, sharpened. And they were teaching all Alex's stuff. I was like, you guys are just stealing stuff from Alex, um, which made me very, very, very thankful. You guys don't have any idea how fortunate we are of having someone like Alex in our church and being the leader. So um, I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew that you were very, very fortunate, and we are very, very blessed. My life is very blessed by you. So I'm going to keep on making it uncomfortable for you with honoring you. All right, so... Thank you so much for having me here. Um, Alex prayed for me, but I want us to pray for, for the room. I want to pray. So if you can close your eyes. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Just prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what you put in my heart. And um, help us connect with your voice. Help us connect with your presence even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, the other day... As things are getting wild in the world, um, <laughs> with things that had happened recently, I was, I, was, I was getting ready to get Leo in a bath, and I was thinking, I would be so nice. Like, I got this thought. It wouldn't be so nice to have a life that you're, you just are silent, you don't have opinions, and you just go and have peace, and do not worry about anything else that everyone's saying. And, uh, and I thought it would be nice to be like my cousins. I have some cousins in Mexico. They, they don't talk much. They just have their families and they do life normally. And I thought, that's very nice. And uh, that would be very tempting. And I was thinking, like, I, maybe I would design for that. And then I remember I was going to be teaching here. And, uh, and this gets recorded. So I thought, well, that is a problem with this plan. I'm teaching. I'm sharing. I, I, I honestly do not think that our lives are designed for that. Our lives are not to be irrelevant, not to be without giants. I don't think it aligns with the truth. So this is a situation of a clear example of why we need to distinguish the voices that are speaking to our lives. Because that wasn't a voice from the Lord. That wasn't a voice of mine either. I think it was a voice that was from the enemy. Like, hey, why don't you stay quiet? Why don't you just be silent? Let's read Peter 2.9. You don't have to go there. I'll read it for you. But uh, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What are we to do with this? Praise him. With our life. We're designed. You're designed. Your heart, your creation designed to praise him for what he's done. 
That's one of the main things that we're to, we're to do, is the testimony back to what he's accomplished in our lives. Seems like praising, it's, it's actually a weapon in the spiritual world, right? It's part of who we are. We're designed to do what the Father did, right? And praising for his deeds. Because we're designed to bring heaven on earth and then praising for what he's doing by bringing heaven to earth. So let's step back a little bit on this verse that I just brought up to you. It says, we move into the calling he called us, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He called us first. He called you. He's calling you chosen. As I mentioned before, with that thought of being peaceful and silent and not bothering anyone and not having uh, pokey opinions, um, it does not align with who he says I am. It does not align with who he says you are. We're not made to stay quiet. So that tempting voice came from somewhere, right? It, came, it, it, it means that there's some other voices. So how do you know God is speaking to you? How do you distinguish between the voices like the one I heard and your own voice, right? How do we know that we actually are hearing from him? I think it is crucial right now. It is critical in this time to know between the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, and our own voice. And you know what the best compass is to know his voice? It's his book. That shows you how he speaks. If we make it a habit to read it and how he spoke, the words would not and the words would not depart from your mouth. When the counterfeit comes, you'll be able to tell very quickly because you, you've tasted the truth, right? You've gotten so used to it that you will be able to tell. So let's start with the most important part. Do you believe that you can hear his voice? Because it, it, it's critical that we know. Like, do I actually believe that I'm hearing his voice? I, I, I get to that point too. Like You're like, well, yeah, Andoni, you're teaching constantly and you seem to be hearing the voice of the Lord. Well, no, I, sometimes I'm like, I hear his voice. And I need to reset my compass. I need to go back to the word. I need to hear his voice and reshape, resharpen myself. So some of you are thinking, oh, Andoni is going to talk about prophecy. Ta-da, yes, that's me. That's what I talk about. That's what I love. And uh, sometimes you need to be sharpened again and hearing again what it is about because we all need to hear this word that the Lord prepared in my heart has been brewing in me for like six months or something like that so it doesn't mean that it's really good it just means that it's been there for a long time so let's go to Romans 8 14 let's open your Bibles there let's go there we're actually gonna read a lot of Bible um, and it's funny because Jake used this uh, verses last week and um, the, Alex always sets us up like, hey, let's put the two Mexicans together. So they bring like fire, fuego in Jesus' name. Exacto. And, and, and we don't actually coordinate. Like he just goes with the, what the Spirit is going. And I like follow through and I'm like, okay, good. I'm listening to the Lord. If Jake is, like, I'm sharpened. All right. So Romans 8, 14, it says, you're there, right? I'm assuming you're there. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear, again, but you have received the spirit of adoptions 
as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation awaits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation is subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What is he saying? He's saying who you are. So you are being led by the Spirit. If you are children of God, you are being led by Him. That's what, what, what this verse is saying, that you have a shepherd. You're, you're a son of God, and you have not received a spirit of fear, but of adoption. So you're not lost. You just you follow His voice, which gives you ownership. He even is giving you ownership of belonging to Him, because he, you cry, your spirit starts responding to His spirit, even automatically. It's to say, Abba, Father. You start responding to Him of who you are. Meaning, what does that mean? That you can approach him. That you can come into the throne room. You can be part of what he's doing. Does this mean that he can talk to you? Yeah. It means that he really wants to talk to you. Our spirit is, is designed. Right here saying, your, your, your new creation is designed. When, once you, you accept Christ as your savior, it's not only freedom from sin, freedom from the old nature. It's freedom to enter the throne room and recognize his voice because he's in you. He made a home in you. Um, my wife, Lorna, let's, let's, let's go use Lorna as an example. Um, if I wanted to describe Lorna's voice, like I wanted you to understand her voice, um, it would be sort of complicated because I would say, okay, she's a woman, so that gets half of the population disqualified of how th their voice sounds. She's this high. Maybe that helps. I don't know. Uh, when she laughs, she, feel, she fills up the room. She, she laughs really hard when, when she's really, really, when she's like, you hit a joke with her and she fills up the room. Um, when she gets sick, she sounds like Batman, though. Uh, when, like, so, still, would you be able to tell her voice? Would you, like, if she starts speaking and you don't see who it is, would you be able to recognize her voice? It's very spending time with her that you can understand her voice. As I was getting ready to, to speak in, 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 on, on this, in the past month, I've been um, reading a lot about Gideon. Um, so I want to use this example of the Old Testament um, because I think it really talks of, of a trend of what the Lord does on how he speaks to his people. So in Judges 6, if you want to go there, because we're going to read the, the whole story. And to give you a little bit of context, if you haven't heard this story before, um, Israel gets to the promised land, and they constantly have this trend of um, conquering with the Lord. Like, they're taking over land, and then they mess up. They start going for other gods. They bring them into a mist, and then God takes, the, takes away the, the protection that he had on them, and he even gives that protection to other people, and they take over Israel. Like, he actually makes that happen. And they go back into, into being um, taken, and in this 
situation for seven years, the Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites and they couldn't get their food. Like they were controlling the, food, the means of production. So in Judges 6, 11, it says that the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Absarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, he said. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given the, the, into the hand of the Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have, you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So he, the Lord completely ignores what Gideon's saying, because Gideon is starting to remind him what reality it is and how he's in suffering. And the Lord is saying that you have strength, that you are, that I'm with you, and that you are a mighty warrior. Where did he get that? I have no idea. He just has this, insp this inspiration and saw something in Gideon. And then Gideon is quick to realize the same thing and says, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My client is the weakest. Imanaseh, I'm the least of my family. And the Lord answered, completely ignoring this, again, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Before Gideon is given instructions on how to do this and direction, he's told who he is. I think this is a pattern. God did the same thing with Jesus when he was getting baptized. The Father did. In Matthew 3.17, uh, Jesus goes to get baptized. Uh, it says that, the Father parts the heaven, the, the, the heavens rip open. It's not like the little clouds open up and that kind of painting that's really, really under place what actually happened. He rips the heaven. That's the actual translation. He rips the heaven and he speaks that he's my, my son. There's the first dreams of Joseph. What happens in the first dreams that Joseph is receiving, Joseph the dreamer, those dreams are telling him who he's going to be and who he is. Moses, when he's getting his assignment, he's, been, he's constantly telling God, who am I? Like, he's debating with him. Who am I to do this that you're saying? And what did, what did God tell him? I'm with you. I am. He kept on reminding him. So I believe that to, when we distinguish his voice, he's going to be constantly saying who you are. Because that is in his nature. That's how he created everything. He called out everything into creation. That's how he created the earth. He spoke into being. He's speaking into being who you are. In Romans 8, 14, he says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery. So creation is waiting for your, the revelation of the sons of God. They know who you are. They know who we are. The enemy knows who we are. Do we know who we are? When Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't just human that got cursed. It was creation too. They got cursed too. That's why Jesus said, preach the gospel to all creation. What is creation groaning? For the sons and daughters to be revealed so that it can be released from the curse of slavery. As soon as we figure out who you are, creation gets released. The reason why you can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, listen to God... Is because of who you are in Christ. He didn't say pray for, pray for healing. He said heal the sick, sick, heal the sick. You don't walk in miracles. 
because of anything you did. Nothing. Nothing we've done. We're just receiving what the Father did for you. Why am I teaching so much on identity and the voice of God? Because if we teach people to listen from God, to heal the sick, cast out demons, without teaching them about identity, then it becomes a performance-based identity. But if you teach them that you, that, that who they are, they'll understand where they're supposed to walk in power. It's just like that because of who you are. It's not like, hey, you got to, how many people have you healed? How many words have you given? No. You don't have that pressure because you just walk on, on the identity that your father gave, what he paid, and you have that authority to change the world around you. When you act like God, you're being yourself. That's truth. In Ephesians 5, it says, be imitators of God. That's the standard right there. That's what, I'm not going to downplay it. You were, to, you were created to be glorious. That's, that's who you are. And anything, any voice that speaks the opposite, even if it's yours, it's not aligning with truth. And if you say, it's not my experience. Well, I'm glad that the, that, that the Bible didn't base it on your experience. <laughs> Sorry, it's getting hot. <laughs> now, let's not ignore from Romans 8, everyone read this. But there was a little verse that we might have just ignored on purpose. And, and sometimes uh, people of great faith, we tend to ignore these kind of verses. It says, um, God and fellow heirs of, with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's suffering right there, right? I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to, let's go to the good stuff. Um, are we supposed to suffer? It says if we indeed suffer. This means that if you're suffering, it's not because you fell out of the presence of God. It says that he's going to be with you. He's going to walk through the valley of shadow with you. Now we're walking. We're not staying. We're not camping. Right? We keep on moving. Life happens and suffering can happen. But it, it also comes with a promise. Right there. Consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So there, what is their coming? Glory. This is important because in the middle of a battle, in the middle of suffering, just like Gideon, it is critical that you know who you are. All the heroes that I mentioned previously, Moses, Joseph, I'm going to even add David, Gideon, relied on his voice to stay the course. Especially when they were suffering. Yeah, the silent voice, that, the little voice at the beginning that I talked about sounds nice right now, right? Oh, peaceful. Uh, is that really peace? The Lord answered, I'll be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites. He said to, to, to Gideon. I'm going back to Gideon, sorry. Leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back. And the Lord said, I will wait for you. I'll wait until you return. So Gideon is asking for confirmation. I feel like sometimes we feel like we can't ask for confirmation. God is patient to work through our doubts. Like right here. He, he actually went twice and got confirmation. Especially when you're giving direction. 
Some folks here have very extraordinary faith. Hey, Lord, send me over there. Cool. Did you ask for confirmation? Nope, I'm going. All right, cool. I would. Gideon did. Ask for confirmation on direction. It's okay. We got to test the, the word. Judge it with other people. That's actually in the word. That's actually what Paul encourages to do. In the prophetic, Paul encourages the church to edify, encourage, and console the church. That is what prophecy is for. But so many times we value direction more. We want to know where to go. We want to, who to marry, who to, uh, what work, what job to take. We want the compass. But my point since the beginning is that direction is not the main goal of the prophetic. It's like we are constantly reminded of who we are. That's, that's what, how we strengthen the church. I know some people are like, wait, what? I'm the prophetic, I want to know everything. Yeah, me too. I would love that. But uh, you know what? The experience of the Lord, like actually he uh, giving direction to people doesn't always work. Like the angels get a lot of uh, information on what he's going to do. And he still, they still rebelled. Still did whatever they wanted. Here's the difference between not knowing who you are and knowing. His words establishes who you are. And when you see problems, you just see a miracle waiting to happen. That's the difference. Instead of seeing a problem, there's a problem right there. I'm not going to get afraid, suffering, oh no, battle. No, you see a miracle that's waiting to happen. I'm going to use a little bit of the parable in John 15, 3. You know, this is the parable of the, uh, the vine, where Jesus is using the vine as an example of how we are to dwell in the vine. And uh, we, of course, are the branches. We're to dwell with him. And what is profound here is that God uses the word to prune the branches, which is illuminated in the verse. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The word here, the word clean here, is the same Greek root word for pruned. In other words, God uses his word to prune us back of fruitful revelation and obedience. That's why it's so important to hear his voice constantly. Why, why am I talking so much about the, the, listening to his voice? Because we need to be pruned constantly to give fruit. If not, you're going to have a long, really long branch that keeps on going and doesn't stop. That's what happens with vines. They don't, they, it doesn't stop until it gets pruned caught all right back to Gideon I know I'm jumping uh, hopefully you're holding on to this here goes the Lord said to Gideon here's where he gives the the the, the strategy and this is in 7 7 with the 300 men because he's he had like 33,000 right this is the contest he had like 33,000 he sends them home he tells them no you have too many I will save you with 300 and give you the millionaires in your hands let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300. So think about this. 33,000, go to 300. That's a lot of people that you left. Took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Okay, so it's not by his strength. Not, it's not by the practical ideas that you have. It's by him because he wants to make very obvious that he is the one, the Lord is the one with Gideon. During the night, so... Obviously, Gideon is feeling very shaky, right? He's, he sees his army leave. He only keeps 300. So what's going to happen with the enemy? Because it's obvious. The enemy also has a voice, right? We hear it. We see it. We see that happening. It has some power. 
It'd be foolish to think that he has no power. He does. Yeah, sometimes he does have power, but he has no authority. But here we go. What does, he do? what does the Lord do? Get up down against the camp. And this is in verse 9. Because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp. This is if you're afraid, Gideon. Don't worry. It's okay if you're afraid. Go down to the camp with your Samapura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Wait. Okay, let's go back. Listen to what the enemy is saying in their camp. How's that a strategy? I've never heard that as a strategy of go and listen to what the enemy is doing. What? The Midianites, Amalites, and all the eastern people, so it's like thousands of people, they have settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could not more be counted than the sand of the seashore. So it's thousands of, hundreds of thousands of people. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. So Gideon gets, sneaks into the camp, and the man is saying, I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And then his friend immediately has a response to this. He said, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into our hands. Dividing 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hand of all of them with torches inside. All right, before we go into the ridiculous strategy right there of how to defeat the enemy, let's go to the other weird stuff that had just happened. Our, our brains... I feel like sometimes we read the Bible and we skip the weird things because we can't register the weird thing. Like the other day I was reading, it's like describing how the enemy was retreating in one of the times that Israel attacked and there were like balls of fire falling from the sky attacking the enemy. And I was like, how have I missed that? Well, our brains just don't go over the supernatural. It's like, nah, it's weird. But I feel it's, this talks about how the Lord has your back. He'll have the enemy speak to you of what he's going to do, of what the Lord's going to do. That's how much authority and power he has when he's with you. You're not to be afraid. He hasn't given you a, a spirit of fear. And he'll have the enemy speak to you what he, you actually are. Like, that's what he's having Gideon listen to. Hey, you're gonna, we're going to be defeated. We're thousands and thousands. They're 300. They're going to kill us. And it's a loaf of bread. Like, that's weird interpretation. It's like a ratatouille kind of interpretation. Like, hey, I'm going to use food to change, uh, to defeat the enemy. And then they go, oh, yeah, that's, that's Gideon. Totally makes sense. <laughs> and then he goes and he's dividing 300 men into three companies. He plays trumpets and empty jars, enhance all of them, and gives torches inside. Why am, I why am I highlighting all this weird stuff? Because I want us to make us understand that he's not going to use the strategies of this world for your life. It's not going to make sense when, when, when he speaks. He's going to speak some stuff that makes no sense to you. Hey, you need money? Give money to this person. Wait, Lord, I just said I needed the money. Not, not that I have enough to give the, not give them. Give the money and then I'll give you. I'm not saying that that's like what he's calling you to do right now, but that's an example. Um, the enemy is defeated. He's defeated. Did you know that? Are we working are we prophesying and speaking as if that's the reality? Because I think sometimes we forget. We, we, we feel like he's, oh, too powerful. No, 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 no. He has power, sure. 
But you have the authority and way more power. It's even funny, like every time that the enemy comes into, into the scene in the Bible, it's always like a, someone that's trying to sell you something very, very cheap and convince you that it's a good idea. Like that's, that's how he comes to, to Adam and Eve. Hey guys, how are you doing kids? Uh, have you seen what you got? He goes the same way with Jesus. Hey, here's my power and you have nothing. It's never like, a, like some mighty thing happening. No, it's always like a cheap vendor. A few months ago, um, in December actually, I, I got very, very discouraged and, and, um, because we had our vacation, a family vacation. And I feel like it had already accumulated for me um, a bunch of stuff that was happening and I was denying the reality that that was happening inside of me. And when we went on vacation to Mexico, it was the worst. Like, I've never had a vacation where it actually, wow, that was rough, but rough, bad, bad, bad. We went to, to see my parents, and uh, flights got canceled. I don't know if you remember that. Flights get canceled all over the place. And Lorna said, well, we should go back. I said, no, we're going to my family. <laughs> and uh, even though that we got there two days late with Leon and everything, um, he, he got sick, like real sick over there. And my brother chose, like, I love my brother, but he chose like the most random town that no tourist goes to because he doesn't want to go to the touristic places. He wants to go like Virgin Beach where there's no um, modern stuff or uh, any kind of medical attention. In the middle of nowhere, my son gets sick and then Lorna also gets sick. So it was, it was hell. It was really, really tough. The biggest blow for me was that my family, my, my close little family, my Two people suffering in in my country, right? Because when you when you're an immigrant, you want them to like where you come from. You want them to be excited to go. To. That's not happening. Uh, <laughs> and then a bunch of things started happening when we came back. Obviously, we we spent like like twenty five hundred dollars to just come back extra of what we had planned. It was bad. And then we get back, and then a bunch of stuff started happening where COVID was ramping up again, taking lives of friends of mine. And it was just like, what's going on? This is, this is hell. And um, I felt like the Lord was calling me to be honest of where I was. <laughs> it's an example of uh, in the four minutes, uh, someone asked me, how are you doing? I actually told them how I was doing. <laughs> it went, didn't go well. He was like, Oh, God. That moment I was like, oh, I shared too much. <laughs> Welcome. Hope you like it. <laughs> I'm not one of the elders. I'm not. <laughs> um, recently, Alex taught on Lazarus and um, just brought back to me the idea that Jesus did not approach the situation with Lazarus. Like, hey, Lazarus is going to be alive. No, he actually faced the tragedy. He actually faced it. He cried. He actually was very, very, very sad of what was going on. And it made me realize, what faith do we really need if we're just denying reality? Don't deny reality. It's happening. That's tough. That's, that sucks. That situation sucks. But you have another reality that's going to come over that reality, and you're going to change it. But you don't deny it that it, this exists, which was what's happening to me. 
So in my season, I had to scale back. I had to uh, not do too much at church. I had to really focus on uh, connecting with the Lord, connecting with Lorna and with my close friends. And actually, it was until I talked to Jim that it changed. They started changing. Um, I was talking to Jim. We, we, we have a really good practice, I think, of uh, talking to each other and, and in, in our staff. And I was telling Jim how I felt this pressure of being a husband, a dad, an elder, and so on. And I was just feeling overwhelmed. And he corrected me. He said, you're, you're a son. I was like, what, what do you mean? You forgot to say that you're a son. You said all the things you are, but then you forgot to say you're a son. And that started to change my view again. I'm like, I, I, I forgot. <laughs> uh, but that little encouraging word, that prophetic thing has so much power that it started changing in me. It, like in my heart, reminded me, oh, I come from a place of sonship. Then I had, uh, Stephen would come to me every Sunday and give me a word. Same word. He didn't change it. Always the same word. And he was like, oh, God, I need that. And then Chad would come. I don't know how many of you had a word from Chad. That guy is spot on every time. Like He will give you a word of knowledge. So now you know that the Lord is speaking through Chad. And then he would speak to me and, and give me something that is really encouraging. So I started to treasure in all these words. And then Mike and Barbie, we organized a prophetic session with BSSM students. So in the middle of this struggle, I'm still figuring out what's going on inside of me. We're, we're organizing this prophetic session, which like, for me to organize it, it took a lot, which normally doesn't take a lot. But it, I just, it, it was a huge burden in my life. Like, I got to organize this. Why does it feel so heavy? And then I had the, the sessions. And, um, and, and they also prophesied over me, this group of uh, students. And they go like, they look at my shoes. One of them goes, and oh, I see that you have new balances. And I'm like just thinking, oh, God, this is going to be bad. What about the shoes? I'm just judging the word, just that out of the bat, like, this is bad. This is not going to go well. And then she's like, the Lord is bringing a new balance in your, into your life. Oh, I start weeping and weeping. Just says that word, that phrase, I start weeping. It was the Lord reminding me who I am. And sending people around me, the body around me, to encourage me, edify me, and bring me back into who I am supposed to be. Now... I got to say, and I got to give credit to this, we're spirit, body, and soul. We steward all three of them. Yes, the spirit leads, but we still need to take care of the soul. We still need to care of the body. In Galatians 6, 2, it says that we carry each, each other's burdens. You need people around you. You can't do this by yourself. Lorna helped me a lot. My guys helped me a lot. Like I would go and we had these sessions where we would talk about what's going on in our lives. And they helped me carry some burdens because some burdens, are, how do you know what burdens are? They're the ones that you're unexpected. They came because like a load is I'm a dad. That I carry it, right? I'm a husband. I'm going to carry that. I'm, I'm going to take care of my family. A burden is my friend died out of COVID. That's a burden. That's not supposed to be carried by myself. I'm going to go and share it with someone that's going to carry it with me. Someone got sick. I'm going to share it with someone. We're going to fight for that together. After that, that process took a long time, so I didn't rush it. The comforter was the comforter in the middle of that, and the cloud started to move. And you're like, and then you always share 
testimonies, when you're in the, of what's going on in your life. You know what? That's what this does when you're with the Lord. He, the enemy will try to use something to destroy you. The Lord will shift it, bless you with it, and then I'll use it to destroy the enemy through him. That's what he does in your life. Things that are intended to bring you down will be used against him, against the enemy. After that season, a lot of friends started coming up to me needing help. They were coming up like in the same situation. And I had the authority and the experience to help them. I could carry their burdens. I had no problem. And that's what I focused on. I wasn't on a mic or anything. I helped my friends. That's what I was doing. That's being the church. We're made to speak of his wonders, of what he's done in us, and call people out of darkness. So let's go back to Peter 2.9 to close. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him of who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are to declare what he's done. We're not supposed to stay quiet. We're supposed to be listening to him, stay close to the word, and we need to admit where we are, honestly, and take care of that. Because we're here in a marathon. It's not a sprint race. Share our burdens and believe in who you are. It's going to end with a, something really good that Chris Cruz shared recently. It says, the Holy Spirit is crazy, but he isn't purposely. He's not naive. He's in simply something that sways you and makes you feel good. He's focused, determined, full of purpose, and has a goal in mind. Here it goes. This is the good part. His goal isn't to make you a conference speaker. He's in thinking, how do I make you the next bright innovator? He's not thinking, how do I make you a great businessman or woman? He's not even thinking, how do I make you a great lawyer or teacher or doctor? His primary goal is to make you like his son. Which means he will continue to press on you, shed the layers of your life to where you have to let go of all your old self and all the ways that you have had false strategies to live life so that you may have what he calls eternal life. He is hoping that he will be able to radically reform your entire being so that you can be like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's why when Jake and I planned this series, we didn't. Um, we wanted to remind you all what His Holy Spirit is about. I want a church that's constantly prophesying and edifying each other so that the enemy does not stand a chance and that we are aware, hey, we have, we, we know who we are. Just know who you are. That changes the game. All right, guys, let's, I want to pray for you. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.